Today's gospel reading comes from Mark chapter 12, verses 28 through 34. One of the scribes came near and heard them disputing with one another. And seeing that he answered them well, he asked them, which commandment is the first of all? Jesus answered, the first is, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. Then the scribe said to him, you are right, teacher. You have truly said that he is one, and beside him there is no other. And to love him with all the heart, and all the understanding, and with all the strength, and to love one's neighbor as oneself, this is much more important than all whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. When Jesus saw that he answered wisely, he said to him, You are not far from the kingdom of God. After that, no one dared to ask him any question. This is the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. Friends, this is a rare moment in the Gospels. How often does Jesus have a question asked of him and he answers it? I mean, really think about it. Think how often Jesus will throw back a metaphor or a parable or even another question to someone who is really looking for a specific answer. So within this text, we are given a gift. Jesus not only tells the scribe what the first greatest commandment is, but also the second, the most important two things we are to do as followers of Christ. In answering this, Jesus brings together two laws, two commandments from the Old Testament, the Hebrew Bible, and unites them to create the two greatest commandments. The first one is called the Shema, and it comes from Deuteronomy chapter 6. And this is the, hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And Jesus tells the scribe, this is number one, the most important. And so, to do this, we have several ways that we seek to love God in this deep way. We have a personal relationship with God, and we have a prayer life. We study scripture on our own. But additionally, we have these communal ways. We come together for worship services where we sing, where we hear scripture together, we go to Bible studies, we give of our time and money back to the church so that the ministries of God can continue in our areas. There are lots of ways that we can systematically love God through these ways. And then we come to the second commandment, and Jesus quotes Leviticus 19, 18. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Whenever we think about loving our neighbor as ourself, as Amy said in the children's moment, we are really good in the church about inviting all people into the fold of neighbor. So I call all of you my neighbor, my Christian neighbor. I call my college roommate who lives in Georgia my neighbor. People in the grocery store who I befriend, I might call neighbor. Someone I meet on a mission trip, I may call neighbor. But then, I wonder what happens when we do think about those people who specifically live right next to us. And I don't mean if it's your parents who live across the street or your children, but I wonder how well we know the people who live in our neighborhoods. When these two pastors set out to write this book, they had this theory that perhaps Christians, 
Christian households would have better relationships with their neighbors than non-Christian households. Because after all, it is the second greatest commandment. And they were a little disappointed to find out that after surveying tons of neighborhoods, there was actually no difference between the Christian households and the non-Christian households. No difference to note. They actually found that most of the people they reached out to didn't even know the names of people who live right beside them. The reality is when we insist that we're neighbors with everyone, which of course we're supposed to do, these are neighboring relationships, God created all people, and we're called to love all people. But that doesn't mean we exclude the people that we live geographically close to. When we expand our focus beyond the literal neighbors, we often wind up avoiding action with those people that live beside us. Because we have relationships with our family and friends who maybe don't live right next to us, but I do wonder what that does to our actual real-life neighbors. Jesus emphasizes in this commandment that along with loving God, loving our neighbor is the most important thing we can do. Jesus has given us this very practical commandment, and I wonder what it would look like if we put it into practice with our actual neighbors. And this isn't a radical or new idea. Humans have always been social creatures. Thousands of years ago, people operated within a tribe system where individuals belong to families within a tribe, within a clan, within a nation, and who you were was deeply connected to your neighborhood, to the people who you belong to. But over time, the West specifically has shifted away from tribalism and collectivism towards individualism. And at the same time, we've had this huge rise of social media and globalization. And so these things are a part of our everyday lives. We can contact someone across the world with a touch of our iPhone. We can add 20 new people to our social media. We can have 20 new friends every day. But ironically, even though we are more connected than we've ever been before with technology and globalization, all the science shows that we are lonelier than we have ever been. And I think this past year has shown that to be true. When we were all stuck at home during the pandemic, when we couldn't gather for in-person worship, when we had to stay within our bubbles, we were longing for some real-life personal relationships, some contact with people outside of our families. We crave those type of relationships because we were made for real-life human connections. Sure, we liked Zoom at first because it was the only option, but it quickly became a four-letter word that we begrudgingly participated in because it was the only option. Sure, we liked being home with just our family at first, but soon we were kind of craving the variety of friendships that we used to see at work and at church and just at the grocery store out and about. Sure, we liked the slower pace, and so we were all anxiously ready to get back to normal. Relationships. They are vital to not only our emotional and mental health, but also to our spiritual health. And that is what these great commandments are all about, relationships. The scribe came to Jesus looking for the right thing to do, and Jesus told him the best thing to do, to love God and love your neighbor. 
I want you to hear again these words from 1 John chapter 4, because I just think they are so powerful. And when read through the lens of loving God and loving our neighbor, we get a little bit more of the why. Beloved, let us love one another because love is from God. Whoever does not love does not know God, for God is love. God's love was revealed among us in this way. God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. Beloved, since God loved us so much, we also must love one another. God loved us enough to send his only son to the world to be in relationships with real life human people. Love through relationships is the method that God uses to bring the kingdom of God to more clear sight here on earth. Just as God sent Jesus to earth to be a tangible vision of love and God in the world, so we have been sent out to be a tangible reminder of God's love, grace, and mercy to those around us. And Jesus has commanded us to love our neighbors, our actual neighbors who live beside us. And this is not just because Jesus said so, I said so, so you're going to do it. These commandments are to lead to a transformed life. Jesus is trying to show us that relationships and love, that's what it's all about. And Jesus knows that when we truly love our neighbor as we love ourselves, we will begin to see more of the kingdom on earth as it already is in heaven. As with all things that we do by faith, loving our neighbors is not something that we can do all at once or do one time and then move on and say, I'm really glad I did that thing that Jesus called me to. That was a really cool thing I did. This is not something we can just check off our to-do list. But loving our neighbor has to start with knowing our neighbor, and then it's filled with everyday intentional actions to pursue this relationship that has to build from somewhere and to grow into something bigger, into something that is extremely meaningful. It reminds me of a history lesson that Micah and I learned when we went to the Holy Land together in 2015. We were on a pilgrimage with Dr. Jason Borders, who is a New Testament scholar, and he spent some time living in Israel when he was a young adult. He did some work on the Dead Sea Scrolls. He's led tours all over the Holy Land. He's a really neat guy and a mentor to both Micah and I. And so on this trip, Anything he said, we paid a lot of attention to, specifically because we knew it was going to be something good. So one day, he was very excited to teach us about a mountain called Herodium. And so he took us to a place called Bethpage. And when we got to Bethpage, he looked off in the distance at this, he called it a mountain called Herodium. It was kind of more like a big hill. Just imagine a big mound of dirt. It would be a big hill for us here in South Alabama. But compared to the other mountains we saw, it was, it was kind of small. But he kept calling it the Herodium. And then he told us the story of how this mountain, the name came to be, and how the mountain came to be. So after a battle, King Herod declared that he would like his palace, his kingdom, built on the spot that they had defeated his enemies. And that spot happened to be where the Herodium was built up. And yes, I said the Herodium was built up because initially this mountain did not exist. So when King Herod told his workers that he would like a mountain built with his palace on top, they didn't have tractors or dump trucks or excavators, so they took buckets of dirt, one by one, 
and built this mountain in his honor with a palace on top, a small village on top, and it still stands today as the Herodium. And what's really neat about this is that this is not something that could have happened in an instant or overnight because of the technology at the time. But it took each person doing what they could do, taking their bucket one by one, scooping up the dirt and taking it over to the exact spot to build this mountain that still stands today. And I think this story has a lot to teach us about what it means to love and know our actual neighbors. The most powerful world changers are the ones who do what is in their power and their scope to change what they can change where they are. We can't go and change the whole world in just a moment, but we can do a lot right here. We can do a lot to love and know and model the love of Christ with our neighbors from our very yards. That's the beauty of this commandment. Love is an action. It's a verb that requires movement. And love and practice looks like being intentional and loving as we have been loved one bucket at a time and one person at a time. So before we go any deeper in this series, I want us to each have a threshold for where we are currently with our relationships with our neighbors. So you may see in your bulletin you have a block map. It's on the bottom, below the scriptures. And this is a graphic that came from the book, and they encourage churches to think about this block map when they're reading the book. And so the idea is you have these nine squares around your house. So if you live in a cul-de-sac, you can just think about the nine closest houses or houses that just happen to be in your neighborhood. And they are encouraging us to think about how well we do or do not know the people who live around us. And so A on each one is can you name the names of people who live in those households? B is can you say something factual about those people, about their family? And C is, do you know anything deeper, something of depth about these people, their faith, their history, their story? So I went ahead and filled it out. And this is just to be fully transparent that this series is definitely for me just as much as it is for all of us. I'm very proud of one of my squares. I listed everything I could, and I could have written more about one family on our street. Mike and I have developed a really good relationship with them. We've had them over for dinner. They've had us over for dinner. We say hello to each other in the street. And then I come to my other squares. Two other squares, I can name one person in each house, and I can name something about them, a fact about the people. But the rest of my squares say Catholic, Catholic with lots of children, person with lots of cars, things that I've observed but there is no depth. So I wanted to do this because I really want you all to do this as well, to think about how well, because you might think to yourself, oh, I've lived in my house for 25 years. I definitely know everyone around you. And again, if you live on family land and it really is all your family, maybe think about your coworkers instead. But I think that this should challenge us because as we seek to be more like Christ every day, we should heed the call to listen to the first and second commandment to love God, and to love our actual neighbors. So next week, you will have the privilege of hearing from a neighboring pastor, Reverend Micah Wright. He will be here to preach in Ascension and here. And I had a funny couple comments in Ascension, and they said, 
so are we supposed to go to Spring Hill? Because that's where I'll be. And I said, no, please come here. <laughs> You're supposed to stay here and hear from a neighboring pastor. So we worked this morning, and Mike and I preached on the same thing at both places, and we're working on our sermon for next week. We're in this neighboring series together. We're in this art of neighboring together, the neighbor night. It's in an effort to get to know our church neighbors as well. So I hope that you will make plans to come, and I hope that you will try and fill out this block map. I think you might be surprised, and I think you might learn some of your growing edges right in your home. So may we all be so bold to seek to live out this commandment to truly love our neighbors as we love ourselves. Amen.